Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Every night before I ran, I set my clothes out. I set, if I was taking a pack, my pack out, or my water bottle, my food. the same thing. (laughs) Yeah, if you prepare the night before, you have no excuse in the morning. All you have to do is get up and go. And I think, so that was a huge thing, um, was just making sure every single night that was set out. Because then in the morning, you know, it's sitting there waiting for you. Um, I think the other thing is that um, I I didn't, I never gave myself the out. I never said this isn't gonna happen. I never took it for granted. There was always a huge sigh of relief at 26.2. I always went slightly over just in case my watch was being weird. Um, Actually, two watches by the end because I was super paranoid. Um, But I never, it was just like, well, of course, of course this is gonna happen. It might be challenging, but there was no out in my head. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Tom Rowland Podcast. Fascinating stories to amaze, encourage, and inspire you in fishing, fitness, and the outdoors. And we're brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee. 
I started this podcast as a way to connect with my friends, people that I admire and respect, and you. It has been a learning journey that's made me a better person, a better fisherman, a better father, and a better athlete. I'm so happy that you're on this journey with me, and I'd love to hear from you with show suggestions, guest suggestions, or questions. The best way to get a hold of me is through text. You can text 305-930-7346 for the fastest response, but if you prefer to email, you can send that to podcast at saltwaterexperience.com. That's a dedicated email address just for the show. If you like this show, you can show your support by posting about it on social media and tagging me. Text the link to a couple of friends that may also enjoy it and subscribe and leave a five-star review if you feel like I've earned it. The website is TomRollandPodcast.com, and that is where everything lives. All past shows, you can go and listen to any show. You can look up all the different shows that we've done, both the How To Tuesdays, the Full Links, and the Physical Fridays. They all live on TomRollandPodcast.com, and the social media is Tom underscore Roland, R-O-W-L-A-N-D, on Instagram, or you can go to our big account, saltwater underscore experience. I hope to hear from you soon. So now let's get on to today's show. Hi, everyone. This is Alyssa Amos Clark, and this is the Tom Roland podcast. So you have an amazing story. <clears throat> like I've, I've seen the first place I saw your story was on Free Range American, which is a podcast that I, I, I mean, a, a podcast website that I go to uh, from Black Rifle Coffee. And, you know, 95 marathons in 95 days. That caught my eye immediately. And I was like, what is that about? Like, so you, you did that, right? 95 marathons in 95 days? I did. It's uh, it's still, you know, it wasn't at all intentional. That's kind of the funny part. So um, I still am kind of like, oh yeah, I did do that. How did that happen? <laughs> yeah, you're very humble. Um, I would imagine that 95 marathons in 95 days, there were, there were high points, there were low points, there were really dark periods. There were lots of times where you might've doubted whether you were going to finish. And I want to talk about all of that stuff, but let's talk about, um, why you felt, I mean, obviously you can't just jump into running a marathon every day. I've run marathons before and the next day I feel really bad. Um, so you have to have some sort of training and, and a background in running. How did, how did you get interested in running? What did that look like for you? Did it start when you were a little girl? Um, no, actually I hated running. (laughs) That's the, the funniest thing. So um, my mom used to take me out. We would do these like two, three mile run walks. And I just was miserable, hated it. Uh, but I was a lacrosse player, soccer player, oh, nice. like any field sport I would play all day. Um, and so I grew up just in a very athletic family. Also, my um mom has done these, like she's biked across America. She's biked across Europe. She sailed around the world. Like she's very much an adventurous person. And my dad, um, was a triathlete and a marathoner. Um, I actually, when he, he ran the Boston marathon a couple of times and I really wanted like the gold blanket that he had. I thought this was like this huge prize. Now I come to realize you can buy $2, (laughs) um, blankets or like a, uh, 
rescue blankets like that yes. anywhere. And I, I carry them in my pack all the time, but I thought it was a very special thing. So I was like, I want to run a marathon for the blanket. Nice. Um, <laughs> so I think even though I didn't like running, um, until I was probably about like 10 or 11, which I know sounds really early, but that's kind of when I discovered it. And then I actually went to, um, I grew up in Vermont. And so I went to a, or like cross country skiing is kind of in our blood yeah. a little bit. Um, so I went to a ski Academy for cross country skiing for two years. Um, and it was very normal for us to do like four to five hour training runs, wow. like out on the long trail, out on the Appalachian trail. Um, and we were on a pretty consistent, you know, you trained like 450 to 500 hours per year, which, you know, at 14, 15, that's, that's young and that's a lot. Um, but I think that, you know, I, I had structured training, um, when I was younger, which a lot of people don't. And I just kind of fell in love with long distance runs. Mm. I just thought it was so fun to move through the mountains on my own two feet. Um, so after that, I uh, actually played lacrosse at Williams college but I was always kind of dabbling in the endurance world. So um, my mom and I would do this like run to college because I went to school very close to my college, like 25 miles. So we would run the um, long trail slash Appalachian trail to college to like move in. Um, and we would do that every year. And I realized again, like that's not, most people don't normally run <laughs> like 25 <laughs> miles on the trail for fun. Um, but I, I wanted to run a marathon when I graduated college. Uh, and then I had read a book about ultra marathons. So I was like, ah, that sounds like more fun. Um, so I went straight to ultras and, you know, that's, that's really the big thing that I think it's, it's like, it sounds like kind of a sensational story when people read like 95 marathons, 95 days. And really the base of it is I'm sure with fishing, with anything is that, I've been, you know, consistently training, consistently building a base since I was about like 13, 14. Mm -hmm. And so I, I've done ultra marathons. That's kind of my specialty, um, since I was 22. And so if you, you know, look at that time period, that's like 14 years of pretty consistent training. And so while the marathons were taxing and they were challenging, it's, I, I, also have a base of fitness that I've built for years and years. Um, and so I wouldn't recommend someone, you know, who, who's only had a couple of years even, or just is like, Hey, I actually had people be like, so what's your training plan for this? I'm like, well, go back about 14 years and start, (laughs) you know, running in the woods a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Well, either way, like it's a, it's a big goal. I mean, no matter what kind of base you have to, to run a marathon every single day for 95 days, that's, that is a big goal. And what I was learning when I was doing a little research is that the world record was 61, I think. And that when you set your sights on, maybe that's something I could do. And then, um, then I kind of caught up on some stuff where you were saying that you thought you were going to stop at 75 and then. And and I stopped doing research because I was like, well, I don't want to spoil it. I want to know what happened like between 75 and 95 when you get to, you know, when you, when you surpass the, the record at 61, I could see where you would, you would be like, well, I want to put a pretty good cushion between me and whoever else might attempt this. Um, but then what happens at, 
day 76 where you decide, well, no, I'm not, I'm not stopping. I'm going to keep going. Uh, well, I had to bargain with my husband because he, <laughs> he had to pick up a lot of the slack when I was a little more tired. Um, you know, I, I actually think when you start things like this, there's, it's almost harder to stop. Yeah. Because I, I mean, I can yeah. see that because I, this was one of the main questions I wanted to ask you about stopping, but go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, no. Um, yeah, I think so. Being in the military, uh, being a military spouse, I'm not in the military. Um, you are constantly shifting. Um, you're constantly moving away from friends, moving to new areas, um, changing career paths. There's a lot of instability in it, which is exciting. Um, I, I enjoy the lifestyle. I think it's, it's been fantastic to see so many different parts of the world. Uh, but there's also, you know, that uncertainty on the other side of things. And I think that, you know, we were moving. Um, so during all of this, we were moving from Italy back to um, the, the States and specifically Florida. Uh, and so I think I, the marathons were this kind of friend and, and this stability that I could have some kind of sense of normalcy when everything else was changing. And so I think I didn't really know what to do on the other side of the mm -hmm. marathons. So it was much easier for me to continue this. And also I think, you know, you gain this momentum people are rooting you on and you're like, I, you know, why not? Why not keep going as long as I'm not injured or anything like that. So I think that that was a big part of it is I just, I, I was on, I was a little bit scared. I think of what was on the other side <laughs> of stopping. Yeah. Where, yeah. where most people are, are really hoping to stop any, any second. Um, <laughs> but that's, it's interesting though, but I still want to know what happened at 76. Like you decide you're going to push on. Right. And <laughs> And then did you have like, it seems like maybe a hundred would be the the logical choice. Um, but where did 95 come from? So great questions. Um, at 76, I just didn't feel like it was over. I felt like I think I can go to a hundred. Um, and a hundred was going to be my firm, like stop because I had, um, races planned for the fall, which ended up, <laughs> that's kind of how we get to Pinhoti. Um, I felt like, okay, I do need this to end, but I'm not quite ready, but I'm going to stop at a hundred. I had a conversation. I work closely with a, a coach, um, had a conversation. My husband was like, I think I want to keep going to a hundred, but I'll stop there. I promise. Um, and so what happened is that, um, what we think happened, um, is at the time my husband was going to, um, dive school for the Navy and they work very closely together. And, um, it seems as though someone contracted COVID, um, and passed it on, which it just happens. I mean, it was very easy to pass it on mm -hmm. and he picked it up and he gave it to me. So around my or marathon, like 92, 93, I started feeling horrible and he did too, where we were both like having fevers. Um, just like body ache, fatigue. Like I couldn't figure out if my body was saying, Hey, I'm done. You know, finally I've reached right. this limit. Um, it's also Panama city beach in the summer. So yeah. maybe it's a hundred degrees and you know, hundred percent humidity is just causing me to really struggle. Um, but then we both lost our sense of taste and smell. I started, um, 
coughing a little bit. And at 96, I went eight miles and went, Oh, I'm done. Yeah. This is not, this is not just, we don't feel good. This is something more. Um, and I had said from the start, I don't, you know, we're in a global pandemic. This is a frivolous endeavor. If I start feeling like I could burden the healthcare system more or cause myself harm or others harm, I'm going to stop. And so, yeah, you know, it didn't matter. Um, like 90, what, what's the difference? I mean, we, we yeah. say a hundred because we just like the roundness right. of it. But oh, it and really for somebody doesn't... that's run, you know, five marathons in their life, <laughs> what's the difference between 95 and a hundred? Well, it's five marathons. So that's still a pretty yeah. good dif- difference, you know, I mean, 95, it doesn't sound like much, but when you, yeah, that's, that's, that's hundreds of miles. I, I said to someone, someone suggested a hundred when I was around 50. And I, I, at the time was like, why don't you go run 50 <laughs> <Yeah>. marathons <laughs> and then suggest another 54. But, um, yeah, so that's really why it ended. I was quite firm in that decision because, you know, it's just, it's not fair. Again, it's not fair to push myself to the point where it, it's really problematic. Um, and you know, it was quite beautiful because, I did have, you know, there was press that was supposed to come out. I had friends who were going to run. I had like champagne, like there was a big, there was going to be a kind of a big celebration at the end of a hundred. And, um, at the end of 95, the last two miles I ran with my husband and we just ended at our house and there was no real fanfare about it. And it seemed so fitting for the way the marathon started of just, I kind of just decided to do it the night before and started running. And I think there was something really beautiful about the simplicity of the ending rather than having this kind of big celebration because it was never meant to be a world record. It was never meant to be um, bigger than just hopefully a little bit of inspiration for people to find something to keep moving forward in COVID. Wow. So many questions that I have. Um, so it's also, you know, a, a beautiful ending to a, to a, what, what started as a simple, simple thing. And it didn't turn out to be a simple thing. It, it, you, you inspired a, a ton of people and, um, and, and will continue to, your story will live on, uh, for a long time that that's a, that's a benchmark that the human body can actually do is one thing. Then there's somebody out there crazy enough to actually do it. Um, so many questions. Like one of the things that in your story that's so interesting to me is that there were there were a lot of times where it seemed like it was much easier to just say, uh, you know, I'm running a lot right now. Um, not I'm running a marathon every day. Like you're moving from Italy to Florida, and then somehow you manage to run a marathon in the middle of the night. Like those those periods of time where there's there are time constraints. You're you're feeling rough. Um, maybe your nutrition gets off. I don't know. Something happens. I'm sure that there were some dark dark periods in there, and you managed to push through. And that, to me, is what's the most interesting part about how your extreme story relates to regular people. Like everybody gets to that point of. I don't feel like I want to go to the gym. Oh, something came up. I'm not going to do it. Like, how did you, on an extreme end of the scale, how do you manage that and 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 push through to where 
you know, it does seem pretty crazy to fly from Italy and then run a marathon, but you know, you, you did it and that's awesome. But what, what could you tell other people that struggle with maybe, maybe it's something as big as a marathon. Maybe it's something as simple as just kind of getting to the gym. Yeah. So I think, you know, this is, I guess, to make it small and then make it bigger. Um, every night before I ran, I set my clothes out. I set, if I was taking a pack, my pack out or my water bottle, my food, the same thing. <laughs> yeah. If you prepare the night before you have no excuse in the morning, all you have to do is get up and go. And I think, so that was a huge thing. Um, was just making sure every single night that was set out because then in the morning, it, you know, it's sitting there waiting for you. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing is that, um, I, I didn't, I never gave myself the out. I never said this isn't going to happen. I never took it for granted. I, there was always a huge sigh of relief at <laughs> 26.2. I always went slightly over just in case my watch was being weird. Um, actually I had two watches by the end because I was super paranoid. Um, but I never, it was just like, well, of course, of course this is going to happen. It might be challenging, but there was no out in my head. And I do think that that takes some time to develop in a way it's almost a callus where it's like you've built up or a muscle you built up the muscle to say this isn't an optional this is going to happen and part of it is having the support system to be able to make that happen um you know my husband i, I can't give him enough credit for picking up like he took the lead on moving he made sure i had the resources that i needed um, you know, he just picked up a lot of slack for me to be able to do this. Um, but I do think you just have to have it, you know, if something's really a prior priority in your life, you make it happen. And, um, it was a priority and, and it wasn't, you know, the other thing too, with the marathons, with a streak like that is that if you don't accomplish it today, you don't get tomorrow. Right. It wasn't like I could say, Oh, you know, didn't finish today. I guess we'll just try again tomorrow. Um, and I think in life, we don't often have those scenarios where if we don't succeed. Um, we don't, you know, we don't get to try again. We don't get a second chance. And I do think there's a lot to be said about second chances. I'm, um, a high school teacher and I give a lot of second chances, uh, because I think that's important, uh, when you're growing up, but I also think it's really important, um, to realize that not everything in life gets a redo. Uh, and so for this, I didn't get a redo if today didn't happen. Um, so I think that was really important as well. It's just having this mindset of like, it's happening and I'm going to do it and it might not be ideal, but I also know I can get it done. Right. You know, there's, there's so much to that. Like you, you, you actually put yourself in a position to where you, you, you had to do it to where it's almost like it's easier to do it than not to do it because now you throw away your, you're on exactly. marathon 47. And now if you skip today, you throw away all this work that you've done. And, and it's almost like, have you ever read, um, uh, James clear atomic habits? It's a fantastic no, I haven't. book. Oh, you, you would okay. really like it. But a lot of, a lot of what you, I mean, you could probably co-write the next book because of, <laughs> of your experience, but he, he's just really good at, um, helping to understand 
what a habit is and how you can set things up to where it's easier to do it than not to do it. Or, you know, you you have fun with it or lots of, lots of things. But that book, man, I go to back to that book all of the time um, because of the wisdom that's in there. It's, it's, it's amazing. I would highly suggest it. Um, so you, your story has been super inspirational for, for so many people. And when I'm just scrolling through social media, I'm looking, um, you know, it, it, it made a big impact. And I just wonder like, with when you have that kind of impact on people, that's that's awesome, and I'm sure it makes you feel amazing that this has grown into something much bigger than you. But I wondered where you get your own motivation. Like when you're going through this, were there people that you looked to, or or resources, or something that you got your own motivation or inspiration from? Yeah, I mean, I definitely look towards other people. I'm trying to think, I mean, in the military, you so often see people pushing themselves above and beyond. I mean, my husband used to be a submarine officer and just knowing what they would go through of, you know, I haven't seen the daylight for 45 (laughs) days or, you know, I haven't really slept in 20 plus hours. Like it's just incredible what mentally they can do. Um, And I find so much inspiration in the people come up to me and say, like, I did my first 5k or, you know, be because of your story, like I ran a marathon and I think of those people while I'm out there, like, oh my gosh, like if they can do something beyond what they thought capable, like I can do this too. Um, and also, so I was, um, very sick as a child. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have ulcerative colitis. Um, and so I had my colon removed when I was 14 and, and I was, um, very, very sick. Like, couldn't get out of bed really, um, had to have a blood transfusion, you know, really, uh, was, was in a bad spot. Um, and so I think, and I remember lying in the hospital bed, looking out the window at the mountains, just being like, I just want to be out there. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, when I first kind of came out of that, because, um, for a long time, it did impact me mentally and physically because I couldn't, I was a very competitive athlete, um, kind of prior to that as a kid, like I was always playing up. I I was always, you know, the, the top of the game and I didn't, I just took it for granted of like, yeah, of course, like, of course I'm, I, and I worked hard for it. I would spend hours extra playing, but I just always like, I didn't even think about what my body could do for me because it just did it. And when I had that all taken away where walking to the bathroom to brush my teeth was hard. Um, when I came back from that, I think for a long time, it was a source of pain. Um, it was, it was really mentally and physically challenging and I didn't know how to deal with it. And so for a long time, it was about kind of overcoming Mm. what happened to me. Um, and I think, ultras were a little bit of like, how far can I run away from my past, um, in, in a way. And, you know, how can I prove myself over and over? How can I be the athlete that I used to be? Um, and so there was some, and that's not a healthy place to come from of proving oneself of overcoming a past trauma. And then something switched in that it became less about overcoming and more about like being a celebration of that and being thankful for what I can do now. 
Um, and so I think that so much of where I am is like gratitude for what I've been through and where I am now. And the fact that I can do these things with a body that, I mean, when you don't have a large intestine, you don't absorb things as well. You don't absorb a lot of nutrients. Like my body does not seem like it should be designed to do long distance stuff. It seems like the opposite, Mm. but for some reason that I think in many ways gave me the ability to do what I do now. And it doesn't necessarily make sense scientifically, but it works. Yeah. Um, and so I think that I, I also think that when you have that, those moments that are kind of like, you know, you're, you're in many ways, like at one point I couldn't get out of bed and I just kind of was like, I've had enough. Like I'm kind of done. Um, which is a scary thing to think about as a 14 year old. Mm. And when you've had that, like that, that darkest moment of your life, everything else doesn't seem as bad. after that. So, you know, it's like, yeah, was running a marathon in the middle of the night in Germany hard. Yes. I wasn't sure whether to laugh or cry pretty much the entire time, but nothing was as bad as that. And so it's like, I, I get to be out here. I get to do this. I get to, do this crazy thing that other people think is like insane. But like, for me, it's just, it's so like, I love it. I love what I do. I love running. I love being able to inspire other people. And like, I'm so grateful that I get that opportunity. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. man. I get to rather than I have to, that's, that's amazing. Um, so when you made that shift, like, do you remember, like you just, like you just kind of, made mention of like something shifted and it wasn't, you were, you weren't overcoming anymore. You weren't running away from something. You were celebrating something. Do you remember, like, do you remember that you made that mental shift and realized it? Um, you know, I think it was a gradual thing, but I do remember, I remember probably for the first year or two of my ultra running, it was about, that. And then I remember like gradually, um, it was, it, I realized that I wasn't running away from something. Um, and so, and a lot of that came, I think, um, I had moved to Hawaii at the time, which is where I met my husband. I was out teaching. Yeah, it was awesome. And I met a wonderful community of people. And I realized that running also was about connecting with people. Community is actually really huge to me. I love going to races and runs and meeting new people. It's like one of the best parts of um, running, which is a little bit funny because a lot of people are like, oh, I go for the scenery or I go for this. I'm like, I go to meet people. Right. Um, and, and I'm a bit of an introvert. So it's just kind of funny. But I think it was learning other people's stories and learning why they ran and realizing that we all bring, we all bring scars and trauma into things. And I think it was hearing other people's stories and realizing that maybe I didn't have to fight so hard, um, that I could just have that be a part of my past, but also, um, be thankful for where I was going and be thankful for the people around me that I think that really helped. Man, that's awesome. You know, running can be a very solitary thing, like, especially, you know, the way that you did it. And so it would make sense that like, all of a sudden you're going to get to do your favorite thing, but you're also going to meet a lot of people like that seems, that seems totally natural to me. I want to, um, I want to go like some technical stuff about your run. Like what, what, what kind of time, 
um, what was in your day? Like when you're doing these marathons every single day, like what, what kind of pace are you running and what kind of time, um, does it require to get warmed up and move out there and run and actually come back? And, and now you, you know, recover for a little bit. Like what, what is that period of time for you? Yeah. So, um, I'm going to chalk a lot of this up to the power of youth. Uh, <laughs> that, that really helped. I was 27. Yeah. What, what? No, 26, somewhere around there. When I started the, wow, I <laughs> should remember how old I am. Um, it gets worse. No, so, uh, yeah. I was 27 <laughs> when I started them. So I think that really helped me, uh, I do really, some people are like, how do you do it? How did you recover? I'm like, I think youth really, because a lot of people don't take these on until they're like 40 or 50, um, which is totally doable. But I do think that I rebounded a bit because I am a bit younger. Um, so let's see the marathon, you know, the human body is incredible. Is. Um, so I found my kind of like happy pace between like a 915 and a 945. Um, and I was running on like completely flat. So I tried to take out hills as much as possible. Um, and so I just found that I mean I could run three marathons within like a minute of each other. Wow. Um, it, you know, it's just like it's a human metronome. It's insane. Um, so I was generally running between like my my faster ones. Um, we're around right around four hours and then upwards, like normally it'd be, to, be between like 410 and 420. Um, so for the most part, and it kind of shifted to Florida, I was getting out at like 530 or six because it's just so darn hot. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes even earlier, Italy wasn't as hot. So it'd be like 738. Um, so basically eat breakfast, get out the door as quickly as I can, you know, be done around anywhere between depending on what time I started, like 10 30 at noon. Um, and not like warm up was running the first <laughs> four, three to four miles. Um, and then I would stop pretty much right away, eat something like protein carbs, um, get in the shower, have a real lunch. And then if I could, and it depended on what was happening in the day, I would try to get like a 30, 45 minute nap in the afternoon. Hmm. Um, and I will say that I, one of the things I did notice is I was tired throughout the rest of the day. I wasn't as mentally sharp. Um, my poor husband, I'm a bit of a space cadet. I, I just kind of, am like, I'm an English teacher. So I, I'm a little all over the place and I was definitely worse. And he was just like, Oh, I can't wait till your brain's normal again. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was definitely a little bit more just, just mental fatigue. Um, and yeah. I mean, the rest of the day when we were moving, you know, it'd be like moving all our stuff or traveling. Um, but when we were kind of settled in Italy, Italy, it would be like, you know, do house chores as much as I could or go to the grocery store and make some dinner. Um, and sleep was super important mm -hmm. as well. Um, you've got to sleep. And I could tell if I hadn't slept well, it was really hard, um, to do the marathon, but if you sleep well, you eat well, that really, those two factors really are so huge. In, yeah. Yeah. 
Well, it's amplified too. Like, like when you're doing something of that, uh, on that extreme level and you, you're going to notice it way more, but the, it's the same with a regular day. Like if you don't sleep well, you don't perform as well. And maybe you don't notice it like you do when you're, you know, you're getting up for your 65th marathon, but you know, sleep is, sleep is super, super huge. So like it's taken you like four four hours to run and then so that's like half your day like like you're getting up and then around noon you're kind of getting back into the swing of things right and eating i would imagine you've got to eat like a lot quite a bit yeah yeah Yeah. um no definitely a lot i would say probably like you know breakfast and then snacks in the marathon and that was crazy is that actually i got very efficient while i was running the marathon eating i started needing less food yeah it's um, like Dean Carnazis that, that in yeah. his book he 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 orders a pizza on one of his big long training runs and the and the guy shows up he's like I'll meet you at this corner and he's like at a corner what are you talking about he's like I'm gonna be running and then he he like runs with a he like folds the pizzas over and just takes off running with them and eating them while he's running then um, I'm sure that's what you had to do too when when I was training for my marathon it, it, I was in Key West and it was super hot. And I was always concerned about like water, like what if I run out of water and I would even go the day before and like stash some bottles, Gatorade, other things, because there would be places where there wasn't a store. There wasn't, what what were you doing for your, your hydration, your snack? I mean, you could carry your snacks probably, but you can only carry so much water. Yeah. So that, that absolutely was a factor of consideration of how, where I would go, um, is that I would learn, I learned like where the water sources I could get. Um, so I could go on base and I knew where the cold water fountains were. Um, and then in Italy, I would often do kind of these loops and then we were, um, on, uh, we, we had like moved on to the military base cause we were leaving. So I'd do a loop and then like come back on base, get water and then go back out. Um, so I, I had to be conscious. Yeah. Cause it's not fun if you run out of water. No, That's just not. like, Oh, I'm hurting myself so much. If I don't stay on top of this, but then just my personality, like if I were to, to loop back around to the house and stop and get water at the house, I'm like, boy, that is sure an opportunity to bail out right there. I'd rather go 13.1 miles out and be 13.1 miles from the house and then turn around. There's no opportunity. Like you, you put yourself kind of like that atomic habits. Well, now you're, now you're in it, right? Like <laughs> there's no opportunity to, 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 to get out, but the stopping by the house, that's a dangerous thing. It would be for me. I don't know. You, well, you I think, I mean, so a lot of my marathons were run on just kind of like best, uh, best case scenario of like, there's a two mile loop around base that you can run 10,000 times. And wow. so I had to just mentally break myself of being like, there's my car. I can stop. Cause I've run past my car at like 13 times. already. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you had to get these marathons in and all, all kinds of non ideal situations. I would imagine like treadmill. I, I saw that you ran a bunch of them on treadmills during COVID when you were locked down. That seems to be super fun. Uh, <laughs> that is like, I guess you could watch movies. Would you watch movies? Oh yeah. A lot of, uh, <laughs> this, I, again, I could, <laughs> it's <laughs> embarrassing to say a lot of trashy reality TV. Yeah. Um, cause my brain was kind of tired, so I couldn't really deal with highly intellectual stuff, but um, there was some great trashy reality TV that came out during COVID. So yeah. yes, I, I absolutely partook in that 
that genre. I had sure. a, I had a, uh, you know, in Key West, it was so hot that I had a treadmill inside. And, and if I, the only time I could run was during the, the hot part of the day, I would do the treadmill. And I remember one time my wife and my two boys went out of town, I hadn't had my daughter yet. And so it was just me there. And it was when Blockbuster Video was still a thing. And I just swung by there and got a couple of movies and I picked up Meet the Parents. And I didn't know what Meet the Parents was. I just thought Ben Stiller looks pretty good. And, you know, got that with a couple of other ones. And I put that in the VCR back then. It was a VCR. Maybe it was a DVD. I don't know. Probably a VCR. And, and I start running and that movie comes on and it is so funny that I, I mean, I, I almost fell off the treadmill and I, I think about that movie all the time because I don't know if you do this, but I learn way better if I'm moving. Like if I'm listening to an audio book or I'm watching yeah. a movie while I'm running or walking, or if I'm talking on the telephone, I do that all the time. Like I'll just start, start talking to somebody on the phone and I'll just start walking. And I can remember so much more for whatever reason. That's the way my brain works. If they had known that when I was in school, I could have had a treadmill in the back, you know, and I would so, have been great. I, yes, same. I, um, I would say I'm a very kinesthetic learner. I, I jokingly like my Instagram handle is theory in motion. Um, cause someone said to me once, you seem like you live your life by this theory of motion. Um, because I move, I'm always moving it, it and it helps me learn. And I actually have a policy in my classroom um, that if a student wants to stand up, move around, walk around while I'm talking or stretch or anything like that, they are welcome to, because I, it's like, if I get, yeah, see exactly what you said. But for if some people, have, I mean, sitting in, sitting horrendous. there, it is, yeah. it is, is terrible. And it doesn't mean that yeah. you have a, like a learning disability no. or anything. It's more just like you learn a different way. I, it took me a long time to, to figure that out. And audio books weren't a thing in my life earlier, but then, you know, later audiobooks become like a thing. And I, I used to listen to them when I was running and I could remember so much of those books and like that movie, I can still recite lines from that movie, but I learned, I, I watched it for the first time while I'm running on the treadmill. And it was such a surprise. It was also like one of the, that's one of the best things about a movie where you have no idea what to expect. You have no expectations whatsoever. And then you hit a home run, like meet the parents. It was hilarious. And I'd, wasn't expecting it. I didn't even know it was a comedy and it's so fun. It was so funny, but I can remember that. So, so well, um, cool. Well, what book, what audio books were you listening to? What, like I saw that you listened to audio books when you're doing all this running. What, what did you like to listen to? Um, so I really love sports biographies. Yeah. Shocking. Um, so I listened to like, a Dio Meb, the like amazing marathoner. Okay. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Right. I listened to his, I listened to a woman who ran all the way around the world. So wow. put, some, put some things in perspective. Um, another woman who went to a bunch of different countries and kind of learned about the running culture. Um, then I have two that I've listened to a bunch of times about a woman, a British woman who biked all over the U.S., um, who ran a trail in um, New Zealand that's the length of New Zealand. So a lot of adventure, like sports biographies are kind of my favorite because I think, oh, also I really love um, books about, you know, hikers who do like the AT mm -hmm. or the PCT. Um, I think in many ways, it almost helps me to kind of realize like, hey, other people have gone through these hard times or, you know, 
even the best athletes struggle. Um, and so I think it's helpful when you're listening to that and being like, Oh, it's okay. Like, you know, (laughs) they feel pain too. So I'm fine. Um, and, and, and also I'm in the process of writing a book about these marathons. And so I was doing a lot of, I think just research of, you know, how, I guess I I didn't realize I was going to do that at the time, but now a lot of, I still read a lot of those and now it's to see like, how do they structure it? How, you know, what lands and what Mm -hmm. doesn't. So can you apply any of the lessons you learned during this journey of all the marathons to your writing? Yes. (laughs) And I have not done a good job (laughs) of applying them well, um, for a while. So I now back into Florida, I wasn't working, um, because we were only there for like five months during the pandemic. So getting a job, is just like, yeah, I think I'll just, uh, keep running. Um, yeah. So for a while I was writing two pages a day. I like forced myself to do that. And then, um, here I'm now an English teacher and I coach, um, runners and there's a lot of bits and pieces that I do now. And I've definitely strayed away from that consistency, but yes, in writing, you've just got to sit down. And even if it's two horrible pages or one horrible page, it adds up and you just have to put in the time. Um, and so, yeah, I've not been as good about, (laughs) (laughs) well, that that's, uh, that's interesting for the rest of us that, that look to people like yourself for, for these, these pieces of inspiration and discipline and all this stuff. And then, you know, it's, it's sometimes it is hard to apply that to your life. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes you're like, I'm going to do exactly what they did. And I'm going to get this book written just like she ran the marathons. I'm going to do it every day. I'm going to lay my book out. I'm going to lay my pencil out. I'm going to have my computer there. It's going to be all charged up. I'm just going to have to get up and start writing. Well, sometimes it's harder than, or maybe you make it hard. I don't know. Or you give yourself the excuse. I don't know. What is it? Is it you're giving yourself the, the out and you never gave yourself the out in the marathon or like what's going yeah, on? Yeah, I think, you know, I think part of it is that I, I guess I'm just like, yeah, eventually I'll get it done. It'll be fine. Um, and I think that the process of, you know, I think I know the process of the marathon so well. I know the process of running. I know how to train for things and the process of writing a book and getting it published is so daunting to me that I think it's easier for me to just be like, well, if I never quite finish it, then I don't have to try to get a publisher or try to get it out there. And so I think that part of it is just, I have to do the, I've done some research, but I've just got to move forward with it. Even if it is scary. Um, and hopefully by next summer or over this Christmas break, I'll start like really putting it together. Um, but yeah, I make it an audio book too. So other people can listen while they're running in their marathons. Oh, absolutely. Um, I actually, so that's the part I have all set up. My uh, brother-in-law works for, he's a sound engineer um, and he works for this amazing company. He's like, take a week, come in, we'll record it all. It'll be like, you know, professional quality. So I've got that part set up. (laughs) All you got to do is write it. (laughs) Exactly. Well, yeah. And it's almost done. It's literally within like a chapter of being done. And then it just needs to be edited a few times. And yeah, I just don't really know how to find, I'll probably end up just self-publishing it, but yeah. I think the whole like publisher aspect of it really scares me. So yeah. I don't, I don't know much about uh, publishing a book, but I've had a lot of authors on, on this podcast that, you know, they talk about the process of writing and it's very similar to like what, what you're talking about with a marathon. And, and it's also kind of funny when you're saying that it's like, you know, I'm kind of the same way is that 
these these horribly painful situations are actually your comfort zone like you're more comfortable running a marathon at race pace than you would be at sitting down with a cup of coffee and writing for for an hour like that it's it's funny how like one can be comfortable comfortable you know but then the other can be like painful but it's all it's all perspective like how you how you think about it um so when you're introducing yourself to people or people don't know like what you've done, maybe you moved to California and you're meeting new friends and, and, and somebody says, yeah, she ran 95 marathons in 95 days. I would imagine that a lot of people are like, why, <laughs> why, what, what's your response when somebody asks you why you did that? I thought you were going to say what my reaction was and it's always super <laughs> embarrassed. I'm like, no, let's talk about you. Um, yeah, well, I say, uh, basically I say like, you know, I didn't know what to do during COVID, um, as most of us. And, uh, instead of baking bread, I started running. <laughs> most people I knew grew a beard. They're like, I'm not going <laughs> to shave until COVID's over. And then you're like, man, I think you ought to shave. You're looking like ZZ top. Like it's not over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just say, you know, I was looking for a, a challenge and and this was the challenge that I was able to take on. Um, it didn't start out as a journey to reach a record. It started out as a journey to um, use my fitness because I had been training really hard for a bunch of races that were all canceled. And, you know, I wanted to use that fitness. I wanted to give myself something to do. Um and it was fun. You know, I, I was working for the fitness division of the Navy. There was nothing to do really. So I was like, well, might as well just kind of hop on a treadmill and see what I can do. Um, and so, yeah, I would just say it was kind of like a journey of accidental awesomeness in a way of like the awesomeness of that's the, tale, what that's it the title of your book. Oh right yeah. There, the journey of accidental awesomeness. I think it would be a bestseller. That's a good title. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, <laughs> Yeah. And, and, you know, I think what happened, um, it, and I guess this goes into my why is, you know, it started out as just a small thing. And I, I don't know why I decided I'm like bad at posting on Instagram, even though my husband every day is like post more on Instagram. Um, I posted it every day on Instagram because I, again, I have no idea why I decided to do that. I was just like, Meh, I'll take a picture with me, like my watch and, um, the number of marathons I do. And, you know, after a point, I had a lot of people reaching out to me being like, this is really cool. Um, and, and my mantra had been like one day at a time, um, one hour at a time, one step at a time, we keep moving forward was kind of how I ended all of them. And I had a lot of people be like, you know, I was really struggling during COVID and like this motivated me to, um, you know, keep, keep just going about my day or like taking on some cool project. And so after a little while, I think that was, that started being a lot of the reason why is like, oh, maybe I can actually like use my powers for good <laughs> in a way. Well, it worked. It's awesome. It, it's really, it's really inspirational and motivational and, and it's such a cool story. Um, so we, we talked just for a second about limits and you were talking about the human body being amazing and that maybe at the end, you know, when, when you're, you have COVID, maybe you did reach your limit, but what are your thoughts on limits? Like, are there limits? Are they self-imposed limits? Like what, what are limits to you? So that's a great question. And I can use kind of a, a more recent analogy 
to talk about it as well. Um, you know, I think if you set yourself up training wise and, um, like, I guess, uh, must like stretching your muscles wise to test those limits. I don't think, I think this is a big thing that I've come to realize is it's like, it's easy to say there are no limits, but if you don't train properly or you don't put in the time, you know, practicing fishing, whatever, there are limits because you haven't done the work to get to the point where you can test those. So I really think that you have to put in the work to set yourself up for, um, standing on that platform to be like, okay, here's the next step. You know, I'm ready to take it. And that's mental, that next step. It's not physical because there's nothing like, yes, you brought yourself to a certain level, but at the end of the day, your mind has to commit to it. Um, and that's really hard. But uh, most recent, I guess, actually, my friend just sent me something that was like, when you think that you're done, you might only be 45% done, um, which I thought was just brilliant. And uh, most recently, so I just um, set the first woman's fastest known time um, on the Pinhoti Trail, which yeah. is a 350 mile trail that starts in um like LJ ish, Georgia, and then ends in Sylacauga, Alabama. It's actually the start of the Appalachian mountains. Um, and it eventually kind of connects to the AT and that's the furthest I've ever run in one go. And I had attempted it back last year. Um, when again, a lot of races were canceled and I, I had, you know, I had a moment where I almost stopped. Um, I had some pretty severe shin pain, uh, because a lot of it is still on road. They're kind of developing the trail and, um, everyone I know who set records on it before has been like, yeah, there's just, it sucks. Hmm. Like your shins really hurt. <laughs> um, and I, a couple of times during that, when I was, you know, really, I guess in those dark moments where I jokingly said at one point, like I looked Satan in the eye and said, not today. <laughs> um, <laughs> it really felt like that, but, um, I, I would stop and I would ask myself like, well, I wouldn't physically stop. I would try to be still walking and running, but I'd be like, is this, is this your limit? Like, are you really at your limit? And I would say, no, nope, I'm not. I still, there's more here. And I, I have never done that before where I've actually asked myself, like, is this your limit and been able to answer like, absolutely not. Like there's so much more here. Nice. Um, and I think, I think that's really like, I was again, never asked myself that question. And I'm kind of glad that I started doing that. Cause I think it's really cool to really honestly ask yourself in the midst of a very hard moment am I actually done? Like, is this really as far as I can go and be able to say, nah, nope, not even close. Um, so, you know, I guess as a long answer to limits, I think if you set yourself up and you, um, are willing to go into the really dark place, but realize there's another side to it. Um, no, I, th I think you can really push yourself to pretty incredible feats. What's the other side to it? Like on the, on the backside, looking back on it or what, what is that to you? Um, on the backside, but also, um, there's this great phrase in ultra running is that it almost never gets worse. <laughs> um, which I love. You could also and use it, that nail cunning. It's, it's exactly the same. Real. Okay. Yeah. 
And so I think that if you just get through the worst, most of the time it's going to get better on the other side. And a lot of that has to do in ultra running. It's like, I need to eat more, or I just need to sit for a second, or I just need to walk for a little bit. And it, you know, everything comes in kind of these waves. And if you can get through, or I guess like highs and lows, if you can get through that low, you're almost always going to find that easier. And it might, that low might be an hour. It might be 30 minutes. It might be five hours. Um, but if you just ride it out long enough, it, you're going to come out on the other side of it. Yeah. As long as you're not injuring yourself, like there's always that, you know, you don't want to push so hard that you injure yourself. Um, but you can come out of it. Absolutely. So awesome. So much of it, um, is, is there's, there's so many similarities to like David Goggins and what he's, he's talked about. And that's one of the things is he's like, you're not done. You're 40% done. You think you're done, but you're not. And and everything in your mind is trying to convince you that yes, you are done. But if you can step back from it, like you're talking about and look at it, it's like, you, you can't, you really can't take one more step. And then if it's like, well, yeah, I can take another step, but I need to stop running for a minute. Well, you're still moving forward. You're not done. You can keep going and keep going. And so many uh, of those lessons that you're talking about are amazing. That's awesome. I love it. Um, so, um, gosh, we, we've talked so much about all of the stuff in the, that I wanted to talk about. The Pinhoti Trail and the fastest known time, um, what's called an FKT in, the, in that world, um, do you have plans for more of those or what are, what are you, where, where would you like to go from here? Yeah. So, um, not any immediate plans for more FKTs. Well, that's actually not true. Um, one day I would like to do the long trail, um, being from Vermont. Okay. Uh, I'd really love to, uh, do the length of Vermont. I, um, it, yeah, it, you know, it's a trail that I grew up on. So I would one day like to, to go for that. But, um, next year, my big focuses are, um, one of the UTMB races, which is really big in ultra running. Um, and then Moab 240 mm. is, uh, which David Goggins has done. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those Cameron are kind Hanks. of my two. Yeah. Cameron oh yeah. Hanks, yeah. yeah. He's, a, he's big in this world. And, uh, another guy that just seems to have no limits like you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So that's, um, those are the two like kind of major ones and there'll be smaller stuff intermingled. Um, but yeah, those are, I, I really, I, you know, I love racing. Um, I think it brings out some of the best in me, um, and, you know, getting to spend time in that community. Um, uh, but the FKTs are also, they're a fun world and I definitely hope to do a few more. Um, but that's, yeah, next year I think we'll be more concentrated on uh, running. Some of them are amazing, like the the FKTs. When you when you look into those and you see like guys and girls running across Zion National Park, and they're doing some of these in some of the most beautiful areas in the world, um, and they're also like really running like hard and and making it and making it seem impossible. Um, you know, something I watched this weekend, uh, that you would love is that 14 peaks. Have you seen that on Netflix yet? We, yeah, I've, so we started watching it, um, in kind of a distracted atmosphere. So we're going to watch it again, yeah. but yeah, 
Yeah, you it's, need to watch that, like where you can, like, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, the Sherpas are talking and then there's subtitles and, and and they're speaking like a little bit of English and then, but you have to read the subtitles and stuff. But man, that guy is, I mean, so many of the things that, that you're talking about and David Goggins talks about and Cameron Haynes talks about, it's like, there's this, there's this level that all of these people have reached of call it enlightenment or call it experience or call it whatever that it's just like the the limits don't seem to apply but when you watch that movie there are absolutely limits on what they can do because of the weather and because of all kinds of things but this guy figures out all these ways to you use his experience and make a good decision and defy what other people are 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 saying our limits and and what he accomplishes is is it's amazing i mean like what he's accomplishing well there's there is this whole thing about supplemental oxygen and comparing it to what somebody had done before whatever it took reinhold messner 16 years to do what this guy did in seven months and it's it's just amazing like when you see that and you you see one of those records just get absolutely demolished like that and then there's this whole new uh, it's a reset of everything. It's not that much different than, than, you know, Roger Bannister, um, beating the mile time, right? It seemed yeah. like a complete impossibility. Like people would write that the human body was not capable of doing it. And then he does it. And then guess what? High schools, high schoolers do it now. Like it's amazing how one person setting the benchmark a little bit higher can pave the road for other people to realize that that's possible and then do something even, even greater. And that's what, that's what you've done. It's really, it's really amazing. Um, so will you be happy if somebody breaks your record or, or would there be some, um, some, some sadness maybe, I don't know. What would you feel like if somebody broke your record? Oh, I'd be out there helping them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the records are meant to be broken. That's why, because, you know, we're such elastic beings. Like we, it's this, yeah. Four minute mile. I I love that book, like, or the whole story. Um, in that when we see what's capable, I mean, it's like Elliot Kipchoge in his two hour marathon, he opened the door for what's possible. And so it's so exciting. I think when you are, I guess, kind of on that, like, spearhead of what's possible to see then how much better someone else can do it. Or, and I truly hope, yeah. I mean, I, I say that I want to open the door of what's possible. Um, particularly for women, I think often we kind of set stronger limitations on ourselves. Um, I want to open that door for women to go after these really hard things. Um, and so I hope that by, um, like for the Pinhoti putting up a record, cause many, so there was one woman's record that was a different style. So there's different styles, like mm-hmm. unsupported, self-supported, supported. Um, there had been no woman who set a supported record and I was it within, um, seven hours of the men's time. Um, so I, I tried to make it like pretty hard. Like I had a lot of say <laughs> It's like, yeah, it's really, you know, um, try, but I really hope that some woman comes in and is like, I can do this better. And I truly believe a woman can, and I want to crew her to be able to do that because, you know, we do these things to open the doors for other people. Um, and I think if you, if you hold on to something 
too hard, it then takes away from your opportunity to go after someone else's or, you know, to go after another race. And, um, you can't, you can't be tied to that success. You have to have a lot more. And I, and this is something I talk a lot about my coach. It's like your self-worth can't be tied in that record or that success. It, it has to be much beyond that because otherwise you live and die by that. And if you don't accomplish it, which happens to everyone, I mean, I have failed. I failed some big races. I failed at Pinhoti the first time. And yes, you can absolutely be sad about it because you put in a lot of effort, but if you hang all of your self-worth in that, those results, it, you're going to be really not happy and, and live a hard life because you can't, you can't ride those emotional roller coasters. You have to be, um, you know, firm in your own happiness. God, that's that. awesome, man. I love that. That's so amazing. And and it's really the difference between like a, a positive approach to something and a negative approach to something like you're, you're, you're hoping nobody will ever break that record or you're cheering for people to break that record. Those don't seem like they're that different, but the, the, there, there's a magnitude of difference. Like, and it's, and you just explained it as well as I've ever heard it explained ever. It's amazing. That's fantastic. So, um, if you were to give anybody advice that's, that's looking at something, maybe it's a career change. Maybe it's, maybe it's something that to them seems as, as big and epic as, as your marathon or the Penhody trail or the, the Moab 240, like whatever, that's a physical endeavor for you. It doesn't have to be a physical endeavor. Some of the things like, like we're talking about writing a book, some of the things that have no physical, um, uh, exertion whatsoever, um, can be the most challenging in people's lives, but you can apply a lot of things that you've learned. A lot of things that, that people learn through these endurance challenges to that. If you were to give someone advice on, on setting a goal and following through, no matter what that is, what, what would you say? What are your, your big key takeaways here? I mean, I really think one of the biggest things is breaking it down into the smallest elements, tackling those first, you know, don't, if, so I guess again, <laughs> running example, but like, if I think about running 350 miles, I'm overwhelmed completely. And that's why I find the start of things so hard. I'll just like start sobbing sometimes in the first like 15 miles of a, you know, huge endeavor, because if you think about the enormity of what you're doing. So like a job change or you know, writing a book, you're never going to start because you're too scared to even um, like, it's, it's too mentally overwhelming to think of the whole thing. So really the biggest thing is breaking it down into manageable chunks, whether that's a page, whether that's, you know, for like five mile segments. So the nice thing with ultras for the most part is they have like eight stations. So you just go, just get to the next eight station. And then, and then you can reassess. And so, um, for, you know, someone looking at a new job, I would say, you know, what are the first steps of like, okay, I've identified, I don't like where I'm at. So now I'm going to start researching where maybe I want to go. And then from that researching, maybe it's a, like working on your resume and then it's applying for jobs. And so take those small steps to be able to get to that bigger step, but don't get overwhelmed by the eventual goal. Um, cause it, it might stop you from ever starting. Man, that's fantastic. I love it. That's great. Well, 
Um, I want you to check out my friend who I've had on this podcast uh, a few times. And you said you mentioned um, that, that you like to read about the Appalachian Trail and the PCT. Her, her, she goes by Homemade Wanderlust. Have you ever run across her? Oh, anymore? yeah, Dixie. Yeah, yeah. she's fantastic. I've actually met her. Have you? She is yeah, awesome. I would think yeah. that you two would get along great. Um, but she's she's done some cool stuff. I wanted you to definitely definitely see. If, if, if you didn't know her, I wanted to... Uh, point her out or introduce you to her because she's, she's really cool. Um, and, and she's got a great story as well, but I want to thank you for sharing your story. It's, um, you have just really fantastic insight and, uh, a lot of people can take that and apply it to their life. And, and, um, it's just really, really, really cool what you've done and what you continue to do. So I wish you all the very, very best. And, um, if people wanted to, uh, learn more about you, if they want to follow you, if they want to see what, you're doing maybe help crew in a race i don't know what would they do yeah so i think the easiest way to find me and i'm generally responsive is on instagram um i am theory t-h-e-o-r-y underscore in i-n underscore motion m-o-t-i-o-n yeah, I'm right. an English That's teacher. Good for an English theory, teacher. <laughs> theory underscore in underscore motion. Um, I respond to everything. Um, and then you can also check out my website, which is not as updated as it should be, uh, alyssaclarkruns.com. Um, or if you want to shoot me an email, akamos13 at gmail.com. Nice. Um, yeah, I will respond. And I love answering questions. I love helping people um, go after big goals. So. I would love to, I'm available and open to chat. Right. You have coaching services too, right? I mean, I do. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're looking for, um, any running or big adventures, um, more than happy to help, or if you just want to chat, I love talking. So right on. Well, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this. And, and, uh, we all wish you the very best of luck and we'll be watching as you set more records and do more epic things. It'll be, it'll be ace, uh, awesome. And I'll be, uh, looking for your book to come out. Let us know when that happens. <laughs> thank you. We'll yeah. It. So that, that's a, it's a good kick in the, the butt. So I appreciate this conversation being like, all right, I need to refocus on that. So thank you for that. I really right appreciate it. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks. I hope you have an awesome day and uh, we'll be back next week with another awesome guest. Thank you so much for having me.